0: Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and we're on to episode two of our two-part special on Fae Shield 2022. On today's show, we continue our exploration of this unique and highly popular festival. I speak to more producers, I visit more distilleries, and we even go on a magical mystery tour. You will hear many different voices on this episode, including two really interesting conversations. One with Bonnehaven's new master distiller, Brendan McCarran, who shares his vision for the whisky. And another with Ben Shakespeare of the Facial Organising Committee, who tells me how the 2022 festival has gone. We're up to day six and I wanted to sample life beyond whisky. So we went along to the Macre where a gin and rum tasting was taking place in the glorious sunshine. I spoke to various producers and had a chat with Ed Richardson, General Manager of the Macri, about how everything was going.
1: Hi, I'm Charlotte from Deer Island Distillers.
0: Charlotte, how's fish going so far for you?
1: Uh, Very well, quite tiring. We've had uh, our first limited release of our Coffee Cure rum, which is going down really well, so things are going good.
0: And how did it all come about?
1: (laughs) It's not uh, an overly romantic story in terms of rum, but... I own Deer Island with my partner Michael who lives on Jura, and he basically loves rum and said to me I'd really like to make rum one day and I was like oh why don't we do it because I own a few businesses so it's like oh let's give it a go so it's not that romantic but the romantic bit of the story is I've known Michael since I was a teenager because I used to holiday on Jura, and You know, we lived our own lives until our thirties and I came back for a music festival a couple of years ago and we got together and I moved over three and a half years ago and then rum happened. So that's probably the like nice romantic
0: bit about it that we never tell anyone. (laughs) That's nice though. Um, And how does it feel to be a rum in a place that's predominantly known for whiskey? Uh,
1: Exciting. I like things uh, to be different. (laughs) And probably I like the challenge of that, but it's seems to be accompanying it really really well and obviously now we have Isla Rum as well so that is a growing market and you do have people who come to Whiskey Festival who are looking for something else, not everybody is a whiskey drinker, you've got partners of people who are more interested in gin and we've had the same experience with rum so I actually think it complements it all really nicely to have other stuff available on the islands now.
0: Is rum the new gin?
1: Uh, I I should definitely say yes and I would definitely like it to be but I think we'll see as the next couple of years go forward and we'll see how good the growth is but in Scotland it's really really doing well you know there's a lot of rum distillers in Scotland distilling now um, and that's grown a lot even in the last two years so I'm hoping that that continues.
0: And so you've got your uh, face release which is your liqueur is that something you're going to do again in the future like what what are the plans? If you can see, um, I can say some. So
1: Spice Rum is our main product that we've been doing for the year since we launched. Uh, coffee's in. It may become a regular product. We'll see how the sales go once we have Dura Day tomorrow. We do think it will. <laughs> I can't say that it will just yet. And we have some other ideas about what we're going to do going forward. We cask our Spice Rum, but we could cask White Rum and we could use any cask. So we're looking at... Some uh, wild things we might do with casking that what's been in it before, what we might use.
0: Interesting. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
2: I'm Philippa McCallum from Jura Brewery.
0: How did Jura Brewery, which is quite hard to say really fast, <laughs> um, how did it come about?
2: I have had a relationship with Jura for a long time, my sister's been there for a good while and my partner was living on the island because his brother had bought the hotel and i said, said oh, I think um, it'd be a great thing to do, a brewery on Jura. We, uh, we developed the brewery and launched our first beer last year and uh, we currently brew using some friends in the Highlands who I was brewing with and um, and got my recipe going with them. Yeah, brought it to market in the, in the middle of COVID and amongst having babies, I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old and, and, uh, and yeah, a building project and uh, that's, that's kind of how it came about.
0: Quite a lot going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just a little bit.
2: <laughs> so tell us about the product we've yeah, got here. I think, stag, it's a, a session ale. The idea behind it was to complement both my partners, who's he's Glaswegian, the, the kind of local palate, kind of leaning towards a lager, and my uh, preference of a beer, which is, I'm from Yorkshire, so it's a, an ale with, you know, hoppy flavours. And so I tried to kind of uh, come up with something that was a little bit... I'd like to say inoffensive to to someone who's against the hoppy flavour, and um, but also kind of a nice session ale that you can have off the, perhaps you've had a run around on the hills, or you've been swimming, and uh, and it's a nice refreshing ale. Um, and at the moment we've just got the one. Um, hopefully we're bringing more beer to market um, as we as we progress, <laughs> and I've got time between babies and building. So the plan is to build the brewery? Of course, yeah. I mean actually at the moment we have the brewery kit, it's just in a muddy field and it needs a shed surrounding it. <laughs> so <laughs> planning permission's all there,
0: everything's there, we just gotta put it all together. So And what's it like being a beer and and amongst all the whiskey?
2: Oh, it's lovely. It's really nice. Everyone's really complimentary, and I think just genuinely having things to complement uh, the the whiskies is is really great. The Jura Distillery have been really, really supportive of us, as have the local local businesses, the Deer Island Rum and the Lussa Gin as well. It's really nice. We're kind of a, an island with two hundred people and uh, lots of alcohol.
0: I just want to see to drink. <laughs> Thank you very much.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs>
3: My name's Ben Engels, and I have Isla rum.
0: Ben, so you are the first rum on Isla, is that right?
3: That's correct, yes. The first rum made on Isla pretty much.
0: And how did all that come about?
3: Just from my own passion for rum, really. So uh, I grew up on Isla and I grew up around the fish and uh, the distilleries and things like that in Proclary. And then <clears throat> when I came of age of drinking, I didn't wasn't that keen on whisky or gin or vodka, so I started drinking rum. I was all I was given a bottle of Appleton Estate many moons ago and that kind of got me interested in the different styles of rum and from there I got interested in the production side of it and the history of it. Eventually my wife got sick of me saying that I wanted to do a rum distillery in Ireland. she said just could go away and do it and stop talking about it. And uh, met the right people through kind of mutual contacts over here and this is where we are now.
0: And you've got quite an interesting location, do you not?
3: Yes, uh, so we're located in the old lemonade factory in Port Helen and uh, that building was built up in 1959 and originally made for uh, Soft drinks production until um, it kind of fell dormant in the last kind of ten years, and uh, it was kind of a state of disrepair. So, the company I'm working with is a vintage malt whisky company. They are a parent company, and they had bought the building with the intention of going into production. And then I pitched the idea of doing rum, and they were interested in doing that. And now we've got a rum distillery there.
0: You've got some cocktail um, examples here. What would you say for anyone wanting to try it? What would be the best way to do so?
3: I think so. Like. Uh, if you're into like kind of short, strong drinks, then a the daiquiri is always a good way to do it. Um, it's full of booze and lime and sugar, so you can't really go wrong. Um, but if you like a kind of more refreshing drink or a long drink, uh, the mojito is really good. So uh, you still kind of a lot of rums I find if you're mixing them up, you end up losing the rum in the mixer. But our rum is uh, really good at kind of shining through that. So either those.
0: Can you tell us about the bottle and the branding? Because it's lovely.
3: Yeah, so um, our bottle is kind of focused on, on all things Isla. so on the side the label there you can see all things relating to us uh, on the island from geese and the Sutherland Seaplane through to like and Cross and things like that. And then we've just got a bit of the, on the front, so this is Port Island Lighthouse here, and then this is our still as well that we use to distill the rum at the distillery.
0: And it's all kind of gold and blue and kind of yes, fr- light oh yeah. green.
3: Uh, the label the color of the label is we're gonna have a different color label for each product release and we found that this kind of pale blue color really went really well with uh, just a clear spirit in the bottle um, so and we spent quite a bit of time uh, selecting the kind of uh, what color scheme we wanted to go for and kind of keep it premium looking without making it look kind of tacky pretty much uh, with the gold and things like that Thanks.
0: yeah thank you very much
3: no problem at all thank you.
4: Ed Richardson, I'm the general manager.
0: How's it been at the Macri for faish?
4: The Macri's had one of the busiest faces we've ever had actually. It's uh, given us an opportunity to see people that we wouldn't normally see. Uh, and people come to see us from places that we wouldn't normally see people coming. So uh, for us, uh, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful time of year.
0: And what's it like being in general at the hotel now that tourism's kind of back up and running after COVID?
4: We're in the people business, so we love, we love seeing people. The, the fact that it's all coming back means uh, wonderful employment for the, the, the team at the Macquarie. Um, we we're able to see people from all over the world, show them Isla Hospitality. For us, it's a chance for us to show off again. Um, and we've got such a beautiful island, a beautiful hotel and a wonderful golf product. So, uh, for us, um, it, it makes perfect sense.
0: And are there any sort of imminent future plans you can tell us about?
4: We're building. We're, we're in a the, the building phase. It's been a very tough couple of years for, for hospitality. The next 12 months is definitely a, a making sure that we consolidate on what we have ensure that we, we give our team time to adapt again uh, and allow our people uh, and our guests time to reacquaint themselves So, uh, w- with travelling again it's all about getting back to what we know and doing it well
0: Thank
5: you very much Hi, I'm Claire Fletcher and I'm one third of the partnership for Lesser Gin at the north end of Jura So how did Lesser Gin come about? is interesting because it's a one of the eighth biggest islands in Scotland and yet one of the least populated and opportunities for work particularly for women are really limited you cook and clean and that's fine and we've all done those jobs but uh, Georgina a high school science teacher and a Cambridge grad you know Ali amazing with numbers and I'd had a career at the BBC uh, and we all found ourselves sort of on Jura and looking for work so at that time Sipsmith in London, Sipsmith Gin, challenged HMRC about licensing. So it used to be, to get a license to rectify gin, you had to have a still with a minimum capacity of 1,800 litres. So when they challenged that, it meant we could buy a 10-litre still from Amazon, (laughs) which is what we did. So we started in the kitchen and made 4,000 bottles in my kitchen while it took us time to jump through the hoops and the regulations and the you know, health and safety and explosive atmosphere (laughs) regulations. But everything in our gin basically we can grow and find on the island. So we've all really keen plant swimming. We love growing and, and foraging. And we love gin, so that's kind of where we are now.
0: And you've it's grown quite a bit. So you've got your gin yeah. here and your liqueur. So can you tell us a bit about that as well?
5: Yeah. So the Bramble Liqueur basically is our gin, brambles, and sugar. And every bramble is hand-picked from the north end. We, may only, we may only make a handful of of small-scale bottles, just because it's really painful <laughs> picking so many brambles. But it's a real labour of love. So it's like it's a sweet liqueur, so it's quite different. And then we just have the signature, so the 15 botanicals that we can grow and find and the thing that again makes us slightly unique is that they are frozen rather than dried and that way we can distill all year round
0: and how has it been this fish it's been
5: amazing it's so nice just to see people again just to see people from here some foreign accents you know, and, and they're genuinely delighted to be here. And it's just been lovely. And where can you get your gin? So we sell across a variety of platforms. We sell online, we sell from the distillery door. We're with wholesalers across Scotland in small independent outlets. We'll never be supermarket. And we now export half of what we make, so we're right across America, Germany, and I've just started small scale to Belgium. What are your future plans? So we're building a gin garden at the moment, just to kind of house more of our botanicals and just offer a little bit more to to people. Um, We're still working on a a few more kind of export avenues, but we're also undertaking a feasibility study about potentially sort of doubling production, but it's a really big step. And I think right now in the current climate, I think people are a little bit nervous about what about to happen and so we'll just wait and see and sit tight and
0: can people come to visit
5: you yeah absolutely so we're open monday to friday from 10 to half four the three of us are now doing four day weeks because we can uh and we're employing people to, to run the distillery for us as well so part of the joy of living somewhere like that is that you can get out and get your hands dirty or take off on your horse or go camping or whatever it is
0: thank you very much thank you We'll hear more from the other suppliers I met at the Macrae a little later. That evening, the Facial Organising Committee invited me to join them on a mystery tour. Here's an audio taster of what I experienced as we drove around the island. Chair of the committee, Florence Gray, kept us regaled with fact and fiction surrounding the island, including a story about the Queen's visit to Beaumont. We visited some important sites, like the Gaelic Centre, which was once the island's fever hospital. There we heard from Gaelic singer Lynn MacDonald and traditional storyteller
6: Kate Coots. Life is easy, just
7: make with my friends, and I just want to get on the bus again. Try again. On the bus again. Going places where I've never been
8: we take off. Ardbeg
7: is the second
8: oldest distillery on Islay. It was built about 1800 and something, I can never get the centuries right. And it was originally, the proprietors were McDougall's. then after that it was sold on to people called Bachan or Buchanan who were merchants, and it was very much like a feudal system. It was very populated, the school was up there, the post office was over there, there was a shop, and there were 60 people working in the distillery because distilleries were big employers then. They had cooperage, the grain was probably made in the farm up there. There was glass houses for growing fruit. It was a very self-contained village and there were a hundred children at the school. And after the buckings with distilleries just keep moving hands. The next person was a very famous person in Islay history and his name was Colin Hayes. And if you ever look at the Isla Pages, there's always wee snippets about Colin Hayes. And he was one of these big bummers on the island, you know, he was at the golf. He was the justice of the peace. He was a man for the poor house. Quite, quite a socially minded person. But when he went to the golf club, and if you ever look at old pictures of the golf club, you'll find that the children that were doing the caddying had no shoes on their feet. Because Isla Children at that time Island was quite a poor place and the children went all summer barefoot and only had boots in the winter. Right.
9: Let the wind blow high, wind blow
10: low Through the
8: streets in the oh, the One year an official visit and she started her walk or a, what do you call that, a Walk about from the church here all the way down to the distillery. And when she arrived at the distillery, the distillery very kindly gave her a cask, known as the Queen's Cask. It's the only distillery that has ever been visited by a reigning monarch. Inside the distillery, there is a very special bottle and it is sculpted with very special glass and the silver top is by the Queen's Jeweller Gaddards and that bottle will set you back £100,000! And they have sold quite a few!
9: And I'm off what I see when I go by? Donald Donald
8: the old fever hospital, it currently houses the Gaelic College and it's called Enid Colum Cile Ile, which means the learning place of St Columba. We have very strong links with Ireland and that's why it has that name. Back to the man Hayes who was at our beg, All these places were built in a similar style in the 19th century and if you got got scarlet fever or polio or anything like that you were sent up here and you had absolutely no visitors, you were in total isolation.
11: And I'm going to tell you a story about bear. Now the Brukhladi bear barley is the new whisky really for Brukhladi in the sense that it's using bear barley for the first time in Islay that's been grown in Islay. But the whole idea of the bear barley whisky started in Orkney and with the Highland Park distillery. And they have records showing that the first whisky there with bear was distilled in 1880. It was brewed through to 1920 and then they resurrected it in the 2000s. But it's been shown that the bear, or the barley, has been in Orkney since Neolithic times, so it's actually the oldest malt that you're you're ever going to have. So this is about a story of an Orkney farmer who managed to diddle the excise man, and in Orkney they call them the gaugers. So Mansia Hammer lived in a farm out from the main town, and the only way to get there was eight miles across the cliff top or by boat through a reef of jagged rocks to his farm. Either way was pretty dangerous depending on the weather. Now Mansi knew this, but he also knew that every year he had to get a message to the gauger to come and measure how much malt he had for distilling. He waited until the weather had turned and he went over in his boat to the town and said, you can come now. I've got a wee bit of spare malt to brew with, to distil with. Now, the gauger wasn't too good in boats, but he decided that he would give it a try, and he managed to persuade a local fisherman to take him over. Now, the sea was pretty rough, and the fisherman didn't really like the excised man either, so he made sure it was rougher still he took him into the farm, and he was pretty green by this time. And he says to Mansi, so where's your malt, Mansi? And Mansi took down his fishing glove from the rafter and poured the contents onto the table and said, there it is, you can measure it if you want to. Of course, the exciseman man was a bit, let's say, not very happy that he'd come all this way across a rough sea and had to go back across a rough sea for a glove full of malt. So he was pretty angry and he said, I know, he's got malt hidden somewhere and when he distills, I'm going to be waiting for him on the mainland when he comes for it. Now, Mansi's brother Peter stayed on the mainland and he had a nice wee pier for Mansi to to land at. So the excised man stationed himself at the pier and watched and watched and watched. And right enough, Mansi's heading towards the pier. The excise man is hiding behind a dike, a wall waiting for him. When Mancy's brother, Peter, comes flying out of this barn, screaming and shouting and weaving and jumping and, and shouting, a wasp, a wasp, a wasp has gone down my back. A wasp, a wasp, a wasp has gone down my back. And the excise man goes shh 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 shh. shh, shh, shh. A wasp, a wasp, a wasp has gone down my back. And it's big finale to his actions was to run screaming into the sea shouting a wasp has got me a (laughs) wasp has got me of course this was all pre-planned and as soon as mancy saw his brother doing the wasp act he knew to turn the boat and head straight back for home well the excise man was livid by now because he could see that this had all been pre-planned but he couldn't prove anything so he waited his time and waited his time. He was going to get Mancy. He definitely was. And right enough, another season came and Mancy sent message. I have my malt ready. It's more than last time. Come and count it. This time he says, I'm not going on the boat. So he went eight miles round the loch and along the cliffs. Now that's a fair trek in normal ground. But this was heather and lumpy and peat bogs and lochs. And eventually, bitten to death by midges, the excise man ended up at Mansie's farm. Where's your bolt, Mansie? Where is it this time? And Mansie reached down to the side of the fire and he picked up a welly boot. <laughs> and he pours it onto the table. Well, the excise man, he danced a jig of rage around the table. He roared and he screamed and he says, I've had enough of you Mansie, enough of you. From now on, I don't care how much malt you have, and I don't care how much whisky you make, I'm not coming back. <laughs> now that was exactly what Mansie wanted. And it was exactly what his brother Peter wanted. But of course all the other farmers heard this. So, what happened? Mansi ended up starting the first distillery in Orkney because all the other farmers came with their malt to him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story of the first whiskey distillery.
0: Hi, I'm Alison Escobedo from Los Angeles.
12: I'm Jesse Escobedo from Los Angeles.
0: Is this your first time on Isla for Faith?
12: Yes, it is.
0: And what made you want to come here for this?
12: So I, I kind of was into scotch before the pandemic, but then during the pandemic, my collection grew. Um, quite immensely and through that my love for whiskey kind of grew as well and I would watch virtual tastings I'd listen to podcasts and I ended up discovering that about Isla the Isla festival and so once you know restrictions kind of went, went away I, I felt like I wanted to go and, and experience this and we always wanted to go to Scotland and, and so it kind of just made made the trip kind of work after that
0: and you have having a nice time Having a great time. It's been relaxing, interesting for me to really explore whiskey because I was never really into Scotch whiskey before. So it's been a learning experience for me. What's your highlight been?
12: Well, for me, it's it's been the, the tastings, right? Some of the unique tastings that you get, whether it's in the warehouse and you're just kind of going through casks and you're getting to taste something that you're never going to taste again. You're not going to be able to purchase that. Um, or it's the master class tastings. Like I had a Bricolati the other day with Adam Hannett and like going through 30-year-old whiskey and things that I've never tasted before. Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of been an amalgamation of that.
0: And just also meeting people from around the world that seem to you know, have come here just because of Scotch whiskey. I feel like it's the only alcohol <laughs> out there that attracts people this much to come and form a community. It seems like a real community. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you.
7: You're welcome. As we've got a drink for
0: us. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
7: Hi, I'm Ingo. I come from the Ruhr area near Cologne in Germany.
0: Is this the first time that you're here for fish?
7: No, for me, it's the second time here being on Isla. And we'll be lucky to have second time the perfect weather here on island.
0: So where have you been for tastings and have you bought any festival bottlings?
7: Yes, we bought uh, a few. We bought a few uh, festival bottlings and we were to a few uh, distilleries for tastings. And for sure it's uh, good for whiskey lovers to be here on Isla. but I think the, Isla, uh, the island has a lot of more things to show. This year uh, for sure we rent uh, e-bikes and go uh, some off roads um, uh, out of the main routes here and see a lot of lochs here you don't see if you don't have some bicycles or go for hiking. And I think it's good for whiskey lovers, but it's uh, Isla got a lot of more uh, to show.
0: Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Here's some more non-whiskey producers from Isla, followed by a sample of the tour I took at the Bonnehaven Open Day before I met up with master distiller Brendan McCarran for a really interesting chat about his new role. The setting of this distillery is absolutely stunning. Perched on the edge of the northeast of the island with waves gently lapping at the shore. You could easily lose track of all time here.
13: Hello there, I'm Donald McKenzie from Isla Isles.
0: Donald, can you tell us a bit about Isla Isles?
13: Sure. Isla Hills is a brewery. It's funny, it's the only brewer in Isla. I mean, there's nine distilleries in activity, there's two more being built, there's more apparently coming down the pipeline, and yet there's only one brewery. And so it's equally the best, best beer in Isla, and also maybe not the best beer in Isla. Anyway, it's the only beer in Isla you're going to get. So, uh, I mean, basically, it's good, you know. Uh, I think
0: it, it, it will be good. <laughs> well, you
13: know, it's as good as you're going to get. <laughs>
0: So can you tell us about the different beers that we've got here?
13: (laughs) Well, uh, we took over the brewery in 2018 with my buddy uh, Mackay, who's the head brewer. So we changed the ranges around. We used to do, the old uh, brewing team did kind of fairly English beers, like milds and bitters, and we changed that around. We went to local bars and said, what do you want? What your customers wanted to drink? What do they drink? And as we all know in Scotland, people drink lager. And maybe nowadays, younger generation maybe drink IPA. So the first two beers we decided to do was a lager and an IPA, and that's what we've got on the table today for a tasting. We also do, although having said that, a smoky stout, which is a stout, you know, classic, you know, Guinness-type stout, uh, sort of chocolatey uh, flavours with peated barley in it, so that gives it a smoky flavour. We're on Islay, so you've got to have a peated beer. Now it's lightly smoked; it's not heavily smoked like the whiskies, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wink to our whisky uh, 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 brethren, of course.
0: And um, where can you get them?
13: Well, they are available on Isla. We do export, of course, to Jura. Uh, uh, hey, you know um, but that's as far as it goes for the moment. We're in the middle of actually planning for a bigger brewery near the airport in Islay. so a brand new building with brand new brew kit, so watch this space I would like to say, come back in a year and we'll have a full range of beers, including of course here in Islay, probably barrel aged beers, so like whisky barrel aged beers, obviously But are on an island that's surrounded with whisky barrels, um, a lot of which are empty and it would make complete sense to put beer into them and and try and get some of that whisky flavour through in the beers. So that's the future of Isla Come back in a year's time and you'll see it happening.
0: How receptive are whisky drinkers to your beer?
13: Very receptive. I mean, as we all know here in Scotland, I mean, uh, my father's generation would drink a half and a half, which of course is a measure of whisky and a half pint of beer. Now that's probably gone by the board for a younger generation, but nonetheless, you can't drink whisky all day. Um, we all like a whisky, of course we do, uh, uh, but, but sometimes you just need a beer. So our beers go down really really well and in fact you'll find them in almost every bar and hotel in Islay uh, they support us we support them the beers are actually despite what I'm saying on, they're actually absolutely fine uh, of course they are uh, <laughs> and so people when they discover them they maybe buy them because it's got Islay ales written on the bottle and they buy them because of that but they come back because the beer's good not because it's got Islay ales written on the side of it
0: So are the names of the beers different yeah,
13: the names are, Yeah the names are all uh, areas of Islay are well Places Viola that, that uh, for us are interesting. In Fallaggan, of course, is the seat of the Lords of Isles. Big Strand Islay's biggest beach. Black rock, a rock outside Bridgend on the way to Port Charlotte, a rock in the sea, maybe you've seen it. Uh, which when I was a wee boy, my parents said to me that was uh, said to be the remains of, a, of an ancient sea creature like a, a dinosaur that had died in the sea uh, I used to believe that as a wee boy and of course Saligo is a lovely beach in the west coast where we would go as kids and even now with families for picnics it's a great beach Saligo, bit tricky to find but if you can find it, you'll love it, it's really good on a sunny day and Nerebus is um, an ancient Celtic burial site on the Rins of Islas, over the west coast uh, where the Lords of the Isles were some of their uh, vassal clan were, were buried, and that's my, my brewer partner, Mackay Smith. His family, the Mackays of the Rins, they've been here for a thousand years, so a lot of his forebears are buried over there. So, those names are important places in Isla for us, and they speak to the local population. You know, some in Isla will know where Nerebus is, they'll know where Sally is. Mm. And, and behind the bottle, anyway, if you don't know what it is, we'll tell you what it is. <laughs> thank you very much. That's a pleasure, thank you very much.
9: Thank you. <laughs>
14: My name's Ashley McGregor, and I work at Brukladi Distillery, the home of the Botanist Gin, which started in 2010 as well. So, we've been making it for a few number of years. First Isla Gin, all made using 22 Isla Botanicals, which are hand foraged by James Donaldson, our forager, as well. So, a a lot of hard work goes into it.
0: So what was it um, about the timing and how, well, how did it all come about? Because we were just saying um, it was not quite the gin boom, but it was like becoming more popular. So why did a distillery like Ruth Ladi decide we're making a gin?
14: So we've, uh, we've always called ourselves progressive Hebridean distillers. We're probably one of the most experimental distilleries you'll come across. We like to try new things, we're open to new ideas. But with Isla, um, when you talk about Isla, a lot of people come for the, the whiskey. Um, also the people and the views, amazing, wildlife. Uh, but we wanted to show Isla in a different light. We've got peat, we've got barley to make whiskey, but we also have a large range of wild Isla botanicals to make gin, so why not put them to use and show Isla in a different light as well. Um, so it's uh, something we wanted to experiment with and we like playing about with flavors. and. It was something new for us to try and exciting, which is what we've always been about as well. So it's a different. <laughs> and you've got you do core
0: range, is that right? Is, or is, has anything you've come out recently?
14: So it's pretty much just the unique botanist gin that we have, Style Spirit. We haven't changed anything about the spirit. It's always been the same recipe right from the beginning. It's such a unique gin the way it is. We've always continued to keep it that way. Our head distiller Adam Hannett has actually experimented though with um, putting the gin into wine casks to mature and we released last year our first ever aged botanist that was nine and a half years matured in a a red wine cask and we released it for festival time last year and it was only 414, 18 bottles. Experimenting with flavours, trying something a bit new and different, and it was actually sold very well. It was very nice, very nice, I have to say. So, got to try a small amount. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very welcome, no problem.
6: Now, Bonne Havre, then, I like to say, was based on a French chateau because you've got this nice um, central courtyard and lots of little outbuildings. okay? Other people say it looks like a prison because (laughs) um, the Scottish architect that made Bonnehaban had previously made lots of prisons around Scotland. um, But I choose to believe the French chateau story, okay? So, there are three ingredients that go into making your whiskey. Do you know what they are? Water. Perfect. (laughs) Second one? Water. Yeah. Anything else? Barley. Barley. Yeast. Yeast. <laughs> <laughs> Stunning. We know our stuff. So the first ingredient that we use is the barley. Okay. Now the barley is stored in the darker looking building that you see up there. Okay. Now inside there, there are 15 malt bins and we can store 900 tons of barley at once. Okay. So we can hold a heck of a lot on site. Um, now at Bonahabin, they use 60% unpeated barley and 40% Okay so they do make both, and obviously the distillery will have to go through a nice deep clean before we run each form of spirit. All right, so I'm going to take you into our first room, which is the mill room and that is where we crush down our barley. So if you want to follow me this way) <laughs> up the two wood pipes, they're at the side, and fall down into the mill itself. Now this is a Porteous mill, and I'm not going to lie, most distilleries in Scotland use the same mill. Okay? Porteous was a really reliable company and made the best mills in the business. This one has been here since 1964, so extremely reliable machines. Now inside, there are a series of rollers crushed down your barley into something called grist. What that does is just releases the starch that's inside. Okay? We will take a small sample of this crushed down barley and we put it in this machine here. This has vibrating plates that will sift through that grist and separate it into three separate parts. So we should be left with 20% husk that's the outer shell of the barley. 70% of a middle section that contains all the starch. And then we have 10% flour as well. Now it's really important that we make sure we've got those correct percentages, because in the next stage when we add in the water, if there's too much husk, the water will drain too fast. And if there's too much flour, you're going to end up with a porridge-like consistency, which we also don't want. So that is why we make sure we've got those correct protections. But all of the grims get moved on to the next stage. Alright, that making sense so far? Perfect. So I'm going to take you back out this way.
0: So Brendan, we're here at Bonahaven Day at face So how are you feeling about the fact that we're back in person?
10: Yeah, really excited about it actually. So I, I, I've always worked with Isla Distilleries. So, but even when I lived on Isla, my job tended to take me off the island during Fays, which was like a real bummer, you know, because I wanted to be here. And then when I moved from my first job yeah, to my second job, I, I used to get it was it was cool. I used to get sent around the world, but I'd probably be the only person who was a wee bit you know, grim and sad about getting a flight to New York City for fish for because the only place I wanted to be was on Isla, and now I'm one year into this job. face last year obviously was like a, a virtual thing, so it, it's brilliant. It's first of all brilliant that people are here, but it's also brilliant that I'm here, so I'm like, loving it.
0: And what can people expect from the day to day? Yeah,
10: so it's just a couple of things I'd say. what the the distillery has changed quite a bit in the last couple of years. We have given it quite the big lick of paint for one. So you're going to see this amazing, white, beautiful Haven. There's also quite a few warehouses have come down and a brand new visitor centre. So people can see that for the first time because its grand opening was kind of just as lockdowns began. So really this is the the grand opening of the visitor centre. So people will see that. So lots of changes on site. But then also they can expect to see uh, myself and uh, two of my teams so Julianne and Andrew so the master blender and distillery manager and myself we're doing a master class at 11. that's like the big one you know to go through the the face releases then Julianne's going to run like an old and rare master class this afternoon. Andrew who's been here for uh, I probably shouldn't say how long he's been here, but it's been quite some time. Uh, but he's going to do some of it, just his favourite Bonne uh, And I'm going to run through the, the, the face releases again for another group uh, this afternoon. And apart from that, you know, music, games, good foods, and we'll all be milling about and boring people to tears with stories about whiskey and Bonne Havens.
0: And so you mentioned the face releases. Uh, what can you tell us about them?
10: So the first one, our main release is something I'm really excited about, which is called Aben Arig. So like Bonahabin and Abin, you can hear that same word, which means river. And it's uh, they, it's named after the Arig River, which is one of our water sources, you know, that allows us to make this incredible single malt. And Aben Arig is a whiskey that, when I first started, there was plans to release like maybe three or four different little things here. And I said, let's, 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 let's do one really special release. Let's just do one and make it It's still a a, a limited, it's a one-off batch and limited, but it's like, let's make it a little bit bigger than, you know, it's going to sell out in five seconds, because I think that just just leaves people a bit disappointed. You know, I I wouldn't say they're angry, but they're just like, oh, I really wanted to buy that one. So we've made something that's really focused in on this really special release of Abenarig. So the marketing team were up for it when I suggested it a year ago when I started, but they said, right, you know, well, what are you going to make then? You better get thinking now, you know, because you need to bottle it and, all that boring stuff that I don't really care about. Um, so I started thinking, and this honestly sounds like a marketing story, and I hate all the cliched marketing stories, which is, you know, whilst wandering through the warehouse, one day they discovered these casks. But but genuinely, hand on heart, uh, the first time I came to the distillery as the new master distiller, I went on a sight walk round with Andrew, and then we went into the warehouses, you know, kicked the tires, have a look. And he went, oh, he says, you really should come and see these casks. So he pulled on these tiny little casks, octaves, and he's like, these are pedro Jimenez octaves that have been felt with new make, you know, and just fully matured. And he says, I think they're really good. So he pulled some samples, and they were really good, but they were, like, super concentrated, you know, like, kind of, you know, what almost made you draw your cheeks in because they were so intensely rich in this kind of chocolate and raisins but that was the very first dram of one I, have and I tasted as the new master distiller or whatever so that just popped back into my head when I said I think we should make something spectacular for the next fish so that's kind of like the heart of the whiskey but I didn't want the whiskey to be a Pedro Jimenez bomb so I think some people went oh I was expecting it just just to taste the chocolate and raisins and I was like no you can get that but it, that's the heart and then folded into that is like Bunahavin, unusually in bourbon casks, but that was just to balance off, you know, to make sure you got all the the good parts of those Pedro Jimenez octaves without the uh, the intensity just knocking you off your chair. And then that's all folded in with like much more classic Haven, so think like the style of Haven 12, so um, all are also sherry butts. So that all goes together and it's at 50.8. I would recommend it with a little bit of water. I think 46.3 is the the sweet spot for it and it's kind of spicy sweet chocolatey it's got a classic Bonne having in there but it's also got a little twist which is the whole point of a, a face release really
0: and yeah that's amazing because you've got that and you've got a few others as well so there's quite a good choice for people if they're wanting to pick up a
10: yeah, yeah we, we still want people to you know have something that they can pick up for making this, you know, incredible journey all the way to the, the, the island and coming to, you know, it's hard enough getting to Isle but getting to Haven is, it's like a second trip on top of that. So we've done um, a special lease. Sometimes, sometimes we make smoky haven but we are famous for being unpeated. Uh, and that's what our main thing is. But just sometimes just to, Remind uh, the, the guys and girls in the south side of the island, we can still make really good smoky whiskey. We'll make uh, what's called Moinja. So we've made a Bonnehaven Moigna in Tokai casks. So it's like smoky and sweet. And there's only, I can't remember the exact number of bottles, but it's it's very limited. Um, so that one's going to go quick and it's getting great reviews. And then we've done a, it's from 2004, so it's a vintage whiskey. And then we've also done like a really special Bonnehaven in Calvados casks, which Andrew thinks is the first time we've ever had Calvados casks so it's from 1998, it's all vintage The game starts its life in um, refill bourbon casks and then it was uh, finished in Calvados and that one I think it, it's probably we've been open for four minutes so that's probably sold out already um, and it's really special, it's it's green Like I, I think a whiskey's in colours and it's green, it's like pears and apples and conifer trees and cut grass and mint and eucalyptus and Green stuff, you know, and delicious
0: Nice How does the lo- location impact the whiskey So we're standing on a balcony Outside the new visitor centre It's a beautiful sunny day The sea's pretty calm We can see the Jura. It's pretty special And a really nice boat over there
10: Yeah, it's my new boat, you know With my bonus <laughs> that I've just bought <laughs> <laughs> People can dream But no, no, it is how, how much it affects the whiskey is a tough one like, I, I am going to, you know put my line in the sand that I do not believe terroir is a thing in whiskey like people say it is and I believe it in wine Uh, but there's definitely something about there is a sense of place about um, what you do Um, part of the location if you go all the way back in time because our supplies came in by boat um, you probably wanted to get as much in as you possibly could which means that our, our our equipment at Bonnehaven is very big, we have this enormous mash so we only make a tiny amount of batches but, but they're big batches, um, big wooden washbacks, huge stills that just mean so much copper contact, so I think not so much just the, the atmospheric conditions up, but just the location of where it is dictated why the distillery was designed in the way it was and that influences why it's such a fruity yet floral yet chewy cereal yet robust spirit that just suits maturation in sherry casks. So probably that drove as well the the, the decision to be mostly unpeated as well, you know. And then these days um, we have spring. So we have a spring that supplies the water for mashing. So that drives a kind of more active, um, active flavor producing fermentation. And then apart from that, it it is a coastal whiskey, you know, and there is a saltiness to all Bunnahavans. Does that come from the sea that's right next to us? Maybe. Maybe, I don't think you'd ever be able to prove it, you know? But and it definitely has an influence. So so does it influence? Absolutely. How does it influence it? It's, it's hard to put your finger on, but everyone will have their own opinions anyway, so.
0: What was revealed this morning, and I'm assuming people in the queue know about this as well, was the 1989 All Are Also Finished, which is a really special surprise, surprise, <laughs> 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 release. Um, so can you tell us a bit about that?
10: Yeah, It's it, it's, it's, it's so easy to, to describe it because it really is it's just everything that Bonnerhaben stands for in one glass of whiskey or one bottle of whiskey. So it's a 32 year old Bonerhabin in Oloroso and an Oloroso sherry butt. So with Bonnerhabin all I ever think of is it's Isla unpeated and sherried and, and that's what this is. And there's something magical just about that spirit and Oloroso Sherry. It works young, it works middle aged, it works old, it works at high strength, cash strength, it works at bottling strength. It's just something that always has a similarity but a difference at the same time. And this one's just something that's just a little bit special. So 32 year old, 1989 vintage, it's a few hundred bottles. I never know how many bottles and again, you know it will sell out very very quickly but people in the know will be queuing here to get it and it's it's worth it's worth queuing for it's a really spectacular listing
0: and um, so you touched on the fact that this is a relatively new job for you so what are your plans for the future
10: there's lots of them (laughs) Um, so i moved a year ago uh, and it's great this job really appealed to me because in my past, when I worked for uh, Diageo and lived in Ireland, I was a distiller, you know, a production kind of person. And, and I loved distillings. So I used several distilleries, groups of distilleries. Then I moved to more Hennessy uh, and I, I became a whiskey maker. So I got to do the blending and the whiskey making part. But both of them, when I was a distiller, I missed the whiskey making. And when I was a whiskey maker, I missed the distilling. And then this job lets me put all of it together. So it's amazing. It's kind of slightly. Uh, split-minded, you know, because the morning's quite methodical and production and uh, rigorous, and then in the afternoon it's much more creative. But definitely my plans for Bunna Havin' is, you know, really to make more because like, we just don't have the stock right now. And I think maybe the company had lost a little bit of belief in just how special this whisky is and now that I've came here from with an external view, I've explained to them you know, everyone loves this whisky and everyone wants this whisky and everyone's frustrated at the lack of incredible 12 and 18 year old and 25 year old sherry dunpeated whiskies. So the, the main mission is to make more, uh, but also I'm bringing in some relationships I have from a previous role with sherry makers to bring in like real high quality sherry casks to just make our portfolio, or portfolio, stock inventory even better. And then the other one, which is freaking some people out, because like my natural whiskey of choice would be Smoky, Islay and Bourbon. So I think a lot of people thought I was going to turn Bonnehaven smoky overnight. So first of all, that means that people think I'm a complete egomaniac, which hurts. It does hurt. I've got an ego, but it's not that big yet. Um, but the other thing is, I actually want to make less peated Bonnehaven. So some people freak the hell out when I said I'm going to stop making Moynihan. Um, but I said stop to be dramatic you know um, but I want to really scale that back because what I worry about is I know people love Bunnehavin and say you just saw one on a shelf you were in a hurry and you grabbed it and then you went home and you poured it and it's smoky you know and the reason you love Bunnehavin is because you don't like smoke you know and that's allowed so so my big plan is to really really shift the focus to making that spectacular unpeated and we'll still make a wee bit of peat just because I was starting to get death threats you know and people showing up in my garden asking about the smoke so I've got a kid. You need, you need, you need back off on that. So we'll make a little bit of peat, a little bit, and we'll make it spectacular. But the big focus, Isla Unpeated, Sherry, spectacular Bonavent.
0: And at some point, you'll be on that boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
10: yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, you know, <laughs> if I do completely stop the peat and people find out about it, that will be my escape route. You know. <laughs> well,
0: thank you very much.
10: Yeah, thank you. I'm John Watkins, and I'm from Pennsylvania, United States.
0: So John, you're here at Bonnehaven, and you've bought the Oloroso cask finish from 1989. So why did you do that?
10: (laughs) Well, it's a special trip for me, and um, I wanted to make sure that I took something back. I never made an investment of this kind before, um, and I'm um, just sort of looking forward to having this sit on my shelf at my home.
0: Are you going to open it and try it or are you going to sort of keep it for a special I will occasion?
10: definitely be keeping this one. Yeah. Maybe if uh, one of my kids get married or something like that I might open it, but uh, most likely it's going to just be on display.
0: And what's been your highlight?
10: The highlight? Well this is a pretty big highlight today, <laughs> buying this bottle. This is uh, three times as much as I normally would spend. But uh, the highlights, really, just the views and the weather here today. This week has been great. Really drinking some great scotch. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you.
0: The final stop on my journey was to catch up with Ben Shakespeare of the Faish Organising Committee. We met at Bonnehaven where Ben was taking pictures as well as doing a lot of coordinating. So Ben, how has the build-up to this year's Faish been?
9: It's been incredibly busy. I think Personally, I thought this year was going to be a little bit easier because the virtual festivals were very tough on content creation and getting everything organized. So I was quite looking forward to having people back, but as things have gone on, ticket sales have been absolutely phenomenal. There's been masses for the committee to do. We've put on more events. There's been a lot of pressure on us to get things done. It's been incredibly busy. So it's really nice to have it finally come around and to have everybody here and have everybody back.
0: And how's it gone so far? Because we're almost at the end. So how how do you feel it's gone?
9: I'm absolutely delighted with how it's gone so far. I think the distilleries have put on an absolutely amazing show. We've had a brilliant festival vibe throughout the distillery days and our, our committee events as well. And I couldn't be happier. Everywhere I go, I'm surrounded by happy people who have had some great whiskey but they've also had a fantastic time they've really loved the festival buzz they've had so many comments about the friendliness of the islanders and everybody's just really enjoyed their time
0: so now we're back to in-person events what what are your sort of plans or thoughts for the future
9: i think there's a really big long list (laughs) of things every time the festival happens you think what we could do next year, what we could do better, what other events that we could put on, how we could work um, bet, even better with, with some of our festival partners so that we can really make sure that we're offering an amazing experience for every single person that comes to the island over the festival week. So for anyone that doesn't know, how did Fish come to be? Back in the mid-1980s, the islanders really wanted something that would draw tourists to Isla because they wanted to extend the, the the tourist season so they put something on at the end of May to uh, bring a little bit more interest and income into the island at the start of the summer season and with that they put on the Isla Festival which was a real range of island events so there were walks, there were slideshows, there were cultural events Uh, Cayley's all sorts of things and there was one single whiskey event and over time that one whiskey event grew into the whiskey nosing and Cayley and through that the distilleries decided to get more involved so around the turn of the century we had the festival of music and malt kind of combined with the Isle of Festival and then it's really over the years just gradually taken off from 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 there It, it, it probably is now more of a whisky festival than it is a, a general festival, and some people do indeed call it the whisky festival. Technically, it's not. We we are the Isla Festival because we have still have that wide range of cultural and other events coming on. But whisky is that still that big magnet that draws everybody here year after year, so that they can enjoy all the other stuff as well. So that original aim that they had back in the eighties of extending the tourist season on Isla has really bloomed the it's a massive benefit to the local businesses whether it's accommodation, um, food providers, uh, restaurants, pubs, absolutely everybody on the island gets a boost from this festival and that's a really really wonderful thing for the island.
0: And do you have a highlight so far of this year's fish? Oh that's
9: really difficult because in my mind already I'm I'm going back through All of the events. I think I've been at almost every single one. Um, I, I think I have two. One my favourite so far has to be Brookladdy Day just because of the sheer numbers and the sheer joy that, that you see um, in that courtyard and, and the sunshine. I don't want that to detract from the other distillery days because I've had a fantastic time at a lot of those as well but I think my other highlight would have just been last night where we had a Voices of Isla event in the local uh, Isla Gallic Centre so we had um, Gallic singers and storytellers and it's a completely different vibe but I think that's what our festival offers. You, you've got those traditional cultural events, and you've got the big whiskey events as well. And I think what the island does beautifully is mould those two things together into one um, amazing festival for for people to come and visit. And if you if someone hasn't
0: been here before for fish, what would be your top tip?
9: I think my top tip always is get organised early, get your accommodation early, and get your travel early because there's no one ticket to the Isla Festival really accommodation and travel here kind of are your ticket with so many of the distillery days being open and either cheap or free um, it's a real um, advantage just to be able to get here then once you're here there is so much for you to do the distillery spend a lot of money in putting on amazing bands and wonderful experiences and a lot of it's either cheap or free and I think so provided you're here you can come and experience all that and that's a wonderful thing to be able to do
0: so in terms of numbers of people coming to face do you find that it's the same people coming back year on year
9: i think we've got a really nice mix this year because of the virtual festival i think we had a whole host of people who'd not heard of the festival before weren't aware of it and who've come for their very very first time this year and that's been amazing to see we also have this core of people who come year after year for their festival experience it's their chance to meet whiskey friends and friends that they've made from all across the world and they come back just to experience that but not just to meet their friends from around the world but to meet the locals that they've grown to know and meet every single time that they come
0: we mentioned, you, you know, your ticket here is the accommodation and the ferry. Are they, is that also a kind of challenge? Because, you know, obviously there's a limited amount of people that get on the ferry and get accommodation.
9: I think it's a challenge, but also, in a sense, it is a little bit of a benefit in that there is a limit to how big this festival can grow. So wherever you are during a festival week, there's always a beach that you can find that has no one else on it. There's always a quiet space where you can be. So whilst the island does get very busy and its population almost triples in size, personally, I don't feel it ever gets too busy. There's still that space for you to be and to get around and to to enjoy yourself. So I I think the, the ferry and the accommodation limitations are both... A negative in terms of the fact that so many people want to come but it's also a positive because it will always keep the festival grounded it will always keep it with the people the community the island as its heart and then have the whiskey to kind of mix it all together and enable everybody to have that fantastic time
0: thank you very much in truth i met lots more people and visited more distillers but alas we've included all we have room for on these episodes we may have to return again next year even better why not get yourself along if you can just remember you really need to plan far in advance thanks so much to everyone who appeared on these two special episodes from isla and thanks to logan Eyre and calmac ferries both of whom can get you to and from the island whenever you choose to go Scran is a laudable production that's co-produced and hosted by me, Rosalind Derskin and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton To listen to this episode plus all the others, just search Scran wherever you get your podcasts and please remember to rate, review and subscribe We'd absolutely love it if you could give us five stars
3: Enjoy yourselves, folks, until you get a dram and uh, we'll see you in a wee while. thank you very much indeed